Hi everybody and welcome to the Junction Church Podcast. We pray that this message inspires and encourages you. If you would like to find out any more information about us, then please visit our website at www.thejunctionchurch.com. Thank you for listening. Hey, what a great night to come and real honour to come and just pray with you guys. Thanks very much. Pray with the um, Route 66 graduates. That's awesome. I really commend you for finishing what you started. Yeah, that's great. Just one couple of quick things. Do you know, this lady here that was back up singing, do you know what? You have got the most amazing smile. No, serious. In fact, I think your, your name should be Smiley. <laughs> but I tell you, just, just looking at you there, I, I, I'm absolutely convinced that as you smile, you're going to melt walls around people. That's not to say that no one else had a good smile, but it's just something about your smile. It's absolutely brilliant. And um, can I also just, where's the drummer? Just love drum. Oh, where is he? Oh, well, we won't see him, will we? No, what a great young guy. Absolutely brilliant. Hey, um, I'm just really, I'm amazed I made it here. I just had a week in Morocco and got back at half ten last night. I was offered drugs twice and (laughs) twice I successfully resisted. (laughs) There are some are looking at me really weird, can I tell you? I had an amazing time with Rachel in Morocco and went, went to, uh, we got 160 kilometers from the Sahara Desert and um, where they filmed Gladiator. That was something else to see where they filmed that. And um, so I probably know what you're thinking. You're thinking, oh man, this guy has just trotted up here and you know, he's probably gone home from church this morning and got an, a message out of his sermon vault and he's just rocked up the road he's gonna like no 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 nothing could be further from the truth i haven't done that i got a brand new one and i got i got this in 20 minutes on a bus going from ezawira on the atlantic coast to marrakesh it just came to me i thought you know i'm gonna preach that in aberdeen Thanks, Jesus. Thanks for taking 20 minutes. Now let's get on with the holiday. <laughs> so so um, just, I hope it's all right. I mean, if, if it's not real good, just blame it on the 20 minutes that Jesus gave me. But um, I was, I'm driving. I'm on this bus, and I'm looking out the window, and every now and then I'm noticing with frequency that there are these concrete buildings with no windows and no doors and on each corner of the square building there is the four steel rods on each of the corners for building a second story but they haven't finished the first story and it's not like there's one of them it's like there's 30 of them and then you'll drive past 30 and then five minutes later there's another 30 concrete blocks with four steel rods and they're totally unfinished And that is like with incredible frequency. And I'm starting to think, do these Moroccans know how to finish anything? They look, and if you're Moroccan, God bless you, you have an amazing country. (laughs) 
I seriously thought, do they know, they know how to start, but do they know how to finish? And as quick as a flash, my mind saw my garage at home with no door. And then I saw my living room with a door, but it wasn't attached. It's a brand new exterior door still in the wrapping that I bought three months ago and I haven't gotten attached yet. And then I saw a kitchen cupboard and I know what was behind the kitchen cupboard. It's a Vietnamese spring roll kit used by 2012. (laughs) And then in my bedroom, I saw the piano stool. We don't have a piano, just a stool. (laughs) And I saw the piano stool and I saw a guitar jazz standard called Satin Doll that I took six lessons to master with a jazz guitar player and he said, you've got the ability, you can do this. I had the six lessons and I learnt fluid eight bars of it and didn't finish it. And then you go in my living room and in my dining room, right, there's eight photographs in frames on the floor that have been there for over a month that should be on the wall. (laughs) These Moroccans, they don't know how to finish anything. (laughs) It's absolute... And then back in the garage, there was an entire open university Spanish course And the only phrase I learned was this, no quiero el banco. (laughs) I think it means the bank's closed. (laughs) It's just unbelievable what we start and what we don't finish, isn't it? And then on the other side, in another little place in my garage without the door, there's an open university business management course. And I never finished that. (laughs) I did one essay. And I got 90% and then I got behind on the second essay and I rang up this person and said, look, can I have more time to finish my second essay? And this is what, this is what really got me. It just did my box. <laughs> this posh sounding person on the end of the phone said, Mr. Smiley, you should appreciate by now that effective time management is all part of the academic rigor. <laughs> No thanks. Anyway, I just want to read this to you. That's what I want to preach on. I want to preach on finishing the race. Yeah. Do you know, I made a decision on that bus. Do you know what? I am not going to beat myself up over how many things I've started and haven't finished. I'm going to celebrate the ones that I have started and have finished. And I'll leave the job of beating me up over the empty doors and the Vietnamese spring rolls and the photos. That's Rachel's job. So this is from 1 Corinthians. I still use a Bible. It's amazing, isn't it? We were at a pastor's conference in Amsterdam and all the, the, the people that I took with me, they ganged up on me. After watching Dave Gilpin preach, they ganged up on me. And all the young people with their cool iPods and their iPads, they said, Pastor, you should preach from an iPad. And I said, well, look, Brother Gilpin doesn't. <laughs> So, here we go. Do you not know that those who run in a race, all of them run, but one receives the prize? Run in such a way that you become the one that receives the prize. And everyone who competes for the prize is disciplined in all things. Now, they do it to obtain a perishable crown, but we run for an imperishable crown that cannot fade away. 
Therefore I run, not with uncertainty. I fight, but not as one who beats the air. I discipline my body and bring it into subjection, lest when I have preached to others, I myself should become disqualified. And if you'll just bear with me, um, I just want to use my phone. I know it's long, but just just go with the flow. <laughs> we'll be all right in a minute. So, I want to encourage you, don't beat yourself up over unfinished projects in your life, yeah? Focus on this truth that you are running a spiritual race and that God is the ultimate finisher. And what is most important in your life and my life is that we finish the race that God has got us running. Yeah? God is an amazing finisher. He finishes everything He starts. Paul had this revelation when everything was kind of in the natural, working against him. He had this revelation that the good work that God had begun in him, God would finish it. He would perfect it and he would bring it to completion. And we need that mindset and we need that focus in our life if we are going to finish strong. Yeah. Do you know, I, we're all on this racetrack and we're all running. And I am amazed at how many Christians uh, have fallen by the wayside. Don't get me wrong, they're still saved, but they're not going to finish strong. They're going to finish out of spiritual breath. And you know, God wants all of us to finish strong. And and you you know, we've got to just, what have we got to do, Kev? I've got them there and I'll get to them in a minute. But I'm not there yet, right? (laughs) You know, get this truth. God is a finisher. Yes? He worked for six days, it was finished and he rested. I mean, where would we be if, if God was not a finisher? Yeah. Yeah. Two colors in the rainbow. Giraffes with no necks. <laughs> We'd have blind Bartimaeus still walking around looking for one eye to see out of. We'd have a multitude on a hillside in Galilee complaining about, yeah, we got the bread, but where's the fish? God's a finisher. I'm so glad that the last recorded words of Jesus in his earthly life I'm glad they were not. It's nearly finished. (laughs) Hang on a minute. I'll try and finish. No, it's finished. Signifying that the great plan of God's redemption was complete. That the price had been paid. So God is a great finisher. And you know what? We hear so many testimonies. I love testimonies of provision and miracles and all that. But you know the testimony that I just love the most is from the Apostle Paul. Nearing the end of his life, this was his testimony. He said, I have fought a good fight. I have finished the race. I have kept the faith. I can't think of a better testimony that I want to have than that testimony. I've fought a good fight. I've finished the race. I have kept the faith. Do you know, while I was contemplating going down into my sermon cellar and bringing up a vintage message... I looked, I looked through these notes, and there from 1989 was my graduation. Um, not certificate, that's still unframed. 
You man, you give them out framed. We didn't get that. We had to frame the thing ourselves, and I never got round to it. Never quite finished it, did I? But there was this. We we all got handed this this nice magazine, and it had a photo of every couple that went through the ministry training school that was going out to plant a church in 1989. Do you know what? I'm absolutely convinced out of 30 plus, no, 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 what am I saying? 48 plus couples that were on that school, intensive training to plant a church, my brother and I and one other couple are still in the race. I mean, that's sad. Don't get me wrong. The other dudes are all still going to heaven, I believe. But what, what, what does it take to take you out? What does it take so that you throw in the towel and you get sidetracked and you don't become a finisher spiritually? Is this kind of getting anyone? Is it helping? I hope it helps. Goodness me. Now, here's, the, here's this great thing. Like, you know, if you've been around and you've seen me, I just like words and pulling words to bits, right? See the word race here, right, that Paul uses. And the writer to the Hebrews uses the same word. He says, looking unto Jesus, the author and the finisher of our faith. Let us run with patience the race that is set before us. The Greek word on two occasions is the Greek word agon, right? And it's where we get our English word agony. (laughs) So there's a bit of a thought there, isn't there? That this race that we are on is not just a hundred meter sprint. It is a marathon. And it's filled with all sorts of temptations to quit, to to get ugly, to get bent out of shape. And Paul understood that and that's why he used the word agon. It means stressful. It means constrained. It means pressurized. And so Paul uses that word to give us a picture of what this race might entail as we go through it. Does that make sense? Yes? Let me give you, let me give you um, how many, man, we could come up with so many. But on this bus, I came up with six. <laughs> man, you should go to Morocco. It's so, it's fun, man. It really is. Oh, well, you know, I'm not working for a holiday company. I'm just, <laughs> I'm just saying. Let, let, If you're very sharp, you'll notice that these six words all start with F. And my first, this is what I reckon we need in our life to finish strong. Number one, we need focus. We need not just focus, we need to stay focused on the race. Don't try to run someone else's race, run your race. Yes? And, you know, here's the deal, the, the, the trickery and the cunning deceit of the enemy is to get us out of focus. To kind of blur the picture so that we don't see the finishing line. To blur the goal, to blur the vision, to blur the dream that God's got for us. And I've got to keep coming back to God and asking God to adjust the focus, to bring it back into focus so that I can run. That's what Paul meant when he said, I run, and the Amplified Bible says in brackets, I run with purpose in every step. He said, I box, but I don't just beat the air. I know what I'm aiming at. Um, I heard someone say years ago, and I I pinched it, so it's all right. You know, if you aim at nothing, you'll hit nothing. And we've got to be people that aim at the target that God's got for us and keep it in focus. 
And then the second F here is faith. Keep it sharp. Don't let life blunt your faith. Your faith is the currency that, that, that of, of the spirit world. It, it, it draws promises into your life. It positions you to inherit the promises of God. But so often our faith, as we go through life and take a knock here, and as we trip over other runners every now and then, you know, we get knocked out of shape. I love what Pastor Ashley Schmierer says to us pastors quite often. He says, keep your heart sweet. Don't get ugly on the inside. Keep your heart soft. Keep your heart sweet. Yes? Faith. Do you know, I, I love... Um, what do I love, Kevin? <laughs> I, I love cooking things, right? And um, one of the, my frustrations is that my kids, you know, might use my knives and they don't look after them, right? I've got frying pans that in the house that no one's allowed to touch. <laughs> if I say, and anyway, if I'm cutting a chicken, right, and it's just not happening for me. I know that somewhere my kids have been used. And so I've got to get my sharpener. And I've got to sharpen my knife. And then it cuts. Yeah? And that's like faith. You've got to keep your faith sharp so that it cuts through problems. So that it cuts through the, the, the weapons of the enemy. So that it cuts through the deception that the enemy wants to bring to my life. Here's my third F. Fun. Oh, Fun. Whatever happened to fun? My two favorite days of the year are coming up. That's why I'm buzzing, man. <laughs> Christmas Eve and Christmas Day. Does it get any better? You know, we've had this tradition ever since we've been married. We started a tradition 26 years ago that on Christmas Eve, we would have nice food. Just nibbles. Nothing, you know, big. Like a stuffed pig or anything, just just nipples. And back in Australia, they have this thing called the Maya Music Bowl Christmas Carol concert, and it's tradition in Melbourne that you switch it on and you look at, watch them sing the carols. And in our house, we have nibbles, and that's been going for twenty six years. Christmas Eve, it's gotten so great that everyone, when I say everyone, it's just seven of us, right? <laughs> But we all make stuff, and we all bring it to the smiley house. And then we have nibbles, seven of us. You know, a couple of years ago, my daughter Abigail was invited out on this massive big do. It was a huge celebration for someone that, at a uni or something, and it was a big deal. It was like, I can't remember quite what it, I think it was. A, I think it was a 21st that actually fell on Christmas Eve. And this was one of Abigail's closest uni friends. And Abigail said to her friend, well, look, I am terribly sorry, but we have nipples. <laughs> and she said, I'm sorry, I can't come. It, it's just tradition. Isn't that great? Fun. And we play games. The best of British. Has anyone ever played that game? Oh, man. It's so good. But, you know, the only fun part... The only part of playing the best of British that's not fun is that every year Rachel wins. <laughs> so we've got to have fun in life. What's the point of living if you can't have fun? Yeah. You know, go walk in the garden, pick the rose and smell it. That's fun. Walk on the beach. Do something that's fun. You know, you know if I... Sometimes I just, I just 
come on, Rach, I know we've seen it 50,000 times, but come on, let's put on that Jim Carrey movie, The Mask. <laughs> let's fast forward to the dog scene with the dogs wearing the mask. That's fun! <laughs> what about my fourth F is fruitfulness. Do you know, that's what we're in the game for. That's what we're in the race for, is to bear fruit for the kingdom of God. Yeah, you know, life would be pretty miserable if you're walking with Jesus, you're running this race, and you look behind and there's no fruit. And not just fruit of, oh yeah, I'd like, I, I want to see some men and women saved and, and people come to Christ, but fruit in our own life. I mean, if I've been walking with God, you know, for 20 years and I'm still having the same tizzy fit every now and then over the same problem, I've got to somehow get some fruit happening in that area. Yeah. And then we go through seasons on the spiritual race where there's no fruit. And that's where it gets really, really, really tricky. Because the enemy's like, man, he'll zero in on you. But you know what? God knows the way you take. And Jesus has got seasons called, I'm pruning you. And the reason I'm pruning you is so you can bring forth what? More fruit. Yes? Gee, you're a good looking church. They really are, Kev. Look at them. Fruitfulness, yeah, I, I better put these on. Oh, here's a good one. This is 5F, yeah? Number five, failure. When did we ever get scared of that? We need to embrace it. Learn from it. Don't let it take us out the ra- Oh, I failed. Oh, oh, I'm not in the race. No, just learn from it. I'm reading a book at the moment called um, Black Box Thinking. Sounds deep, doesn't it? Black box thinking. It was written by a guy called Matthew Signed, who was Britain's number one table tennis player. <laughs> and um, he was known as the best returner of serve in the world. And he's a sports writer for the Times newspaper. And I'm, I'm reading his book, and it's all about embracing failure. And he does this amazing interview with a guy called James Dyson, who invented what? The who? The who? The Hoover. The vacuum cleaner. Dual cyclone. Right? And it's amazing what James Dyson communicates in this interview. Because James Dyson said as a, as a 17, 18, 19, 20-year-old, his job through the week was to vacuum the house. And he had this Hoover. And it was a relatively new Hoover. Hoover's a brand, right? And he was vacuuming the carpets in the farmhouse... And he'd vacuum for like two, three minutes, and the suction would go. And he said it used to make him so angry that he'd have to keep emptying the bag, put the bag back in, do another, empty the bag, put the bag back. And one day he ripped the thing out of the wall, and he walked into the garage in his farmhouse, and he dismantled the hoover to see how it was all working. And he came up with this, that it, it, it wasn't the motor, it was the actual bag. And the filter would get clogged up and the suction would stop. And a couple of days later, after he's had this experience, he has to go to a a timber yard to buy timber. And he's looking at all these men on these massive saws and electrical machinery, cutting wood of all shapes and sizes. And he's wondering, where does all the dust go? Where does all the dust go? And then he looks up in the roof of this 
timber yard and he sees this massive cylindrical cyclone thing sucking everything up. And he has a eureka moment. You're thinking, where's this guy? I have no idea. <laughs> it's a good book. <laughs> I can't wait to get home and finish it. <laughs> no, listen, it is going somewhere. <laughs> it has to. <laughs> and so he has this eureka moment. And he, he goes home. This is within a week. And he runs back to his garage with his dismantled vacuum cleaner and he pulls some pipe hoses and all this and he makes a cylindrical um, cardboard cyclone and he attaches it to the hoover. Improvement. Right? Improvement. Doesn't, Doesn't get suction power remains longer. Right? Now, five thousand trial and errors and failures later he comes up with a working prototype of a cyclone vacuum cleaner but there's a problem the cyclone only um, gets rid of the small dust particles it doesn't deal with things that are bigger like I don't know why don't we hoover up this big? I don't know, Lego. <laughs> Whatever you, you know, you know, you get big stuff that gets stuck in the pipe. Well, he, he, was, he was nearly there. And then he had this thought, why not add another cyclone? A dual cyclone. And the first one gets rid of the small, but the second one gets, deals with the big. And, he were, and, he's, it, and he's worth $2 billion. But here's the deal. I knew this was going somewhere. It took him years. No one would financially back him. He had one failure after another, after another, but he kept going. But here's the amazing thing. In 1920, in the late 1920s, another guy went to the patent office and patented a cyclone vacuum cleaner, but never ever followed it through. So what I'm saying is that one guy way, way back then got to a place where failure was the last straw and he didn't learn from it. He didn't embrace it, whereas James Dyson did. See, can I ask you tonight, has there been a failure in your life recently that's kind of really sabotaged your future potential? That has weighed heavy on you? Can I encourage you to let that go? Learn from it. It's not, well, it is a big deal. Sometimes failure is immense, but learn from it. Have another go. Jesus will give you another go. So failure. And my final one here is um, fragility. Do you know, I've written down here, this, this was a thought that I had on the bus. I don't have to have it all together all the time. Do you know that? Do you know, if there's one thing people in my church say to me is, do you know, we just like your honesty. We really like your honesty. You know, you, you, you come across as a guy that you're not there with all your airs and graces and super spirituality and all that. Do you know, and I'm so glad. You know, it's, it's good just to be vulnerable, to be fragile, to be human. 
Yes. You were up here too, weren't you? I was just checking. <laughs> I'm sure I saw you there somewhere. <laughs> but don't, you know, I, I'm telling you, I, 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 I spent seasons beating myself up over all these projects that I've started and haven't finished. And I thought, man, I don't care. There'll still be more. I mean, I painted, I painted the extension, I think about six years ago. It's still only got one coat. <laughs> I'm still surprised I'm married, to be honest. <laughs> what a wonderful lady. <laughs> but that, that, that's what I got on this bus. Right? On 20 minutes. If you didn't like it, you know, blame the bus. <laughs> but but I, I feel this very, very strongly. And, and this, you know, out of all the, you know, mucking about and everything, I feel this genuinely in my heart that God really wants us to focus on how strong we finish our race. Do you know, I, I, it, it, it saddens me. It really does sadden me that, that I look at so many people that I've run you know, shoulder to shoulder with on the racetrack over the years of ministry and I look behind me and they're not there. And I just think, you know, on a night of graduation of a um, leadership academy, Route 66, I think, you know, take it to heart. Be there at the end of the race. Don't let anything pull you this way and pull you that way. Don't get bent out of shape. Keep your heart sweet. Stay focused, yeah? Have fun. Bear fruit, be fragile, and whatever the other ones were. <laughs> hey, can I pray for you? Yeah? Jesus, we thank you tonight that you're the greatest finisher, the greatest finisher there ever was. And Lord, you, you speak to our life tonight and you say to our heart that, that you are not only to us the author of our faith, you're the finisher of our faith. And my God, I pray tonight for every person in this building, that you would grant us the grace on a daily, on an hourly, on a minute-by-minute basis that would enable us and empower us to finish the race with our head held high as we cross that line. Lord, help us to be and finish the race like that runner. Lord, that image on that film, Chariots of Fire. Lord, straining every sinew in our spiritual Lord, life to cross the finish line and bear as much fruit for the kingdom of God as we can. Jesus, we stand amazed at your amazing grace tonight, the depth of your love, the depth and dimensions of your forgiveness that are limitless. And Lord, I pray for anyone in here that somehow or other has gotten crushed in their heart because of failure. Jesus, I pray let a new day begin. Let a new day dawn, Lord, for anyone that's just under the weight of failure tonight. My God, I thank you for this amazing church, these amazing people, Lord. Lord, I just stand with them in agreement for the prophetic word that came this morning about rivers of living water flowing, Lord, all over this city. 
My God, let every family represented here be protected, Lord, over this coming week. In Jesus' name. Amen. Thanks for listening. If you have any questions or you'd like to find out contact information or service times, then don't forget to visit our website, www.junctionchurch.com. God bless.